welcome to the Supergirl Supercast, a part of the incomparable family of podcasts. We're discussing Season 4, Episode 17 today, and that is titled All About Eve, meaning Tess Mocker, of course. I'm Trishy Matson, And I'm David Schaub. And I'm Deanna Chapman. And uh, I believe you have the recap from National City for us, David. John's identity crisis. Vision Mirren calls John a failure. Getting John upset enough to find himself. Didn't Manchester already do this? Finally, John takes the sacred symbols to Mars. With Haley's okay, Lena, Alex, and Supergirl team up. They search for crazy Lex girlfriend Eve and find Eve's cured super cousin Bitsy, Lena's Haranel, a plan to murder Lillian, a dramatic entrance loving Metallo, and how Otis recovered, linking Ben with Lex. Kara gets snooty about the Haranel but then explains herself and apologizes. Lena's still hiding that she worked with Lex, and Lex is helping her hide it. Lena tries to get information from her mum. Lex's plan to kill Lillian encourages her to tell Lena... something. James leaves the hospital. He pushes Kelly away from trying to help with his PTSD, but later he asks her for help. Why is nobody asking if he has powers? Oh, and Red attacks DC, kills a bunch of the guards, and gets Supergirl into lots of trouble. Yep, it was an action-packed episode, all right. A lot of things happened, but I actually thought it hung together better than a couple of the previous episodes. I, I thought it was coherent, and uh, I didn't have to quibble with a lot of the plot elements. <laughs> I think the title was a little misleading, but I have to agree that this one flowed pretty well as far as putting all of these things into one episode. And for a show where sometimes these characters just don't have very good episodes, this was a pretty good episode for everyone, and that was nice to see. Very true. Mm -hmm. So, I'd, I'm inclined to talk about uh, Jean Jones and Mirren first, basically because that was separate from everything else. I have to say, I love this Mirren. He's so much fun. <laughs> yeah. He is such a jerk. <laughs> He really is. I, I wonder what that says about John's mental picture of his father. <laughs> I mean, I was pretty sure from the beginning that it was vision dad and not real dad miraculously restored to life or something. So I was taking everything he said with a grain of salt. But uh, I'm glad that, you know, even Vision Mirren <laughs> told his son that he didn't have to be like him. But yeah, this emotional catharsis, as you point out, David, it's it's a little hard to take coming after all the Manchester Black stuff. It just it felt very similar. The I'm going to manipulate you in order for you to get so angry that you're going to discover that you're Martian Manhunter. And it's just, we just saw that. <laughs> and while I really like how Mirren is manipulative and just sort of pushing all the buttons, and it works better than, I think, what we saw with Manchester, it did seem strange that they wanted to cover it again. The thing I thought was odd was, is this actually entirely a Mirren construct from John's head? Because they could have actually had him contacting sort of Mirren's spirit in the Earth as well. I couldn't really tell, because the character seemed quite a bit different from what we saw of him previously. So for me, I was like, okay, you know, this is sort of something that Jean needs to see in order to get him through his midlife crisis that is going on here. <laughs> yeah. 
the words in the episode says that this is entirely in John's head. And I just thought, well, they, they could have played it the other way. It, I think they said it was an extension of his memory. Um, but given that he was meditating and using his Martian powers and stuff, it might be something with a little more weight to it uh, than a mere memory. It does seem strange, though, that they've gone through this entire thing of John deciding to be a man of peace and doing all these things and changing how he acts and leaving the DEO, and they're kind of just now rolling it back. And I don't know if this is sort of an intentional transition or they're just being strange. Well, it's a little disappointing that one of the few people who was saying punching doesn't solve every problem uh, is now going back wholeheartedly to punching. I mean, not necessarily punching, but, uh, you know, using violence to fight violence. Yeah. I think it'll be interesting to see what they do with the character going forward. Are they still going to sort of play it to the extreme like they did in the episode with Manchester? Or are they still going to dial it back and rein him in a little now that he's gone through this crisis and finally has accepted who he is because I think anyone who has really watched any of the other shows like the Justice League animated show you kind of have a sense for who Martian Manhunter is in those and through the comics but in this he always felt different because he wasn't taking on the Martian Manhunter name and now that he's taken that on I think it'll be an interesting story arc going forward for him for the rest of the season. And we'll see how long he's gone, whether he's just gone for half an episode or an episode or two. Right. Yeah. I was interested that they had Jean, you know, trying to use his psychic powers for the search for Lex. And so, you know, they remembered that he's a telepath for this episode. Very briefly. <laughs> and then made it impossible for him to use his powers conveniently. <laughs> So the reason he was flying around trying to use his psychic powers was the search for Lex, which somehow turned into the search for Eve Tessmacher, because I guess they figured that's where they had the best hope of finding clues. Um, so, yeah, they straight out say that, you know, Eve is just obsessed romantically with Lex, and that's why she wanted to... You know, that's why she was willing to do all the things he told her to do, um, which, uh, okay, fine. You can have certainly have one character who <laughs> is doing that um, when we have so many other strong women. But uh, it was uh, pretty cardboardy, but that's okay. I don't feel like we were ever going to get much depth out of Eve. It's a little disappointing for me because you have this big switch with this character that happens and you want to know more about her but with it being so close to the end of the season now it feels like they almost gave themselves too much to do and titling this episode all about eve when in reality a lot of it wasn't about eve <laughs> it seemed a little like they wanted you to believe okay here's everything you need and you don't really need anything else and i guess that's true in a sense but for me i was just like Oh, okay. I mean, you did what you could with the character in this episode, given how much you packed into it. But I don't know. I guess I was just hoping for a little more out of her obsession with Lex. 
Yeah, really the only thing we get out of her, other than having a cookie trail of information that leads to interesting scenes, is just that she has this relationship with her cousin and aunt, and that she does have at least some empathic connection to at least someone on this planet, which arguably Lex doesn't. So there's there's a slight variation there, but if their goal was to make us try and see that Eve is redeemable, it's really hard after shooting James in the back. I'm not really interested in seeing a redeem Eve plotline. I'd much rather they give the space to Lena. And it'd be nice, yeah, if just Eve was represented as an interesting bad guy. And this show sometimes has problems with interesting bad guys. Mm-hmm. But it's done a little better this season. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can't believe that when I made that comment about thinking for a second that Eve was the one who shot James, that I was actually correct just for the wrong reasons. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Were they listening to me? Did they change this? Like, <laughs> I'm sure that was the plan as of earlier this season. I'm not sure about before that, but <laughs> as of earlier this season, that was the plan. I like how some of the stuff started up because we get this scene with Lena tied to a chair because Lena seems to spend all her time tied to chairs. Strange, but okay, (laughs) Lex is like that. But it did make me understand why Lex is doing it all the time, which is Lex is covering for Lena. He's trying to always make it very clear to everyone that Lena is not actually working with him. They write a letter which pretty much explicitly says, we stole this research yada, 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 Lena wasn't at fault. And I find it really interesting that Lex is actively trying to stop anyone else from realizing that Lena is working with him. Well, if they realized it, they would make make it much harder for him to ever work with him in the future. I suppose there might be some faint element of brotherliness in that, but uh, I mean, he he could have just killed her instead of walking away, leaving her tied to a chair, but mm, I think it's mainly because she's more useful if if she's not exposed. I did wonder uh, when Lena was out of it and they were trying to wake her up and she was trying to tell things and Alex kept shushing her, I wondered if Lena was about to try to confess to stuff then. Um, and got shushed out of it and had time later to think about keeping her secrets again. That is definitely how I interpreted it as well, that Lena was considering trying to say, I've been working with him, oh no, and she backed out of that. And then we see her then, yeah, back out of communicating on the subject throughout the episode. Gotta love the secrets. (laughs) (laughs) What would a CW show be without secrets? (laughs) Most of which end up being poorly kept. (laughs) And we do finally see some of the secrets come out in this episode. I do like it that, again, we're seeing uh, somewhat more pro-Supergirl Haley in this episode. Mm -hmm. She certainly agrees to Alex and Supergirl and Lena working together. I like the line, don't make me regret this, and then takes the donuts. Donuts are a powerful (laughs) thing. (laughs) It might have just been the donuts. (laughs) <laughs> I liked how they did that. I, I, I really liked how, you know, Alex warned Lena that she was working with Supergirl on Finding Eve uh, and how Lena said, well, you know, this is more important than our little feud. And I really liked 
later in, in the lab, the confrontation when, uh, well, um, Metallo comes in and attacks with kryptonite and the three ladies work together and defeat him. Um, uh, and then Supergirl, they find the Haranel, and as usual, uh, Supergirl feels betrayed and Alex calls her on it and tells her how helpful Lena has been, you know, uh, and even cured James. And uh, I just, and, and Supergirl, you know, admits, yes, I get very defensive and feel vulnerable, especially with Kal-El off, you know, off planet. Uh, and she apologizes. And I just really, that felt really genuine and well done to me. That scene was almost certainly my favorite scene in this episode. Just everything about that scene was nice. They got the reveal that the Haranel was out and that Lena was using it. And everyone calls Supergirl on this instantaneous, I'm feeling vulnerable, I see red. I don't quite know if that red is supposed to be some type of reference to Red Daughter. I don't know. Weird. But I really quite liked how these scenes played out when they talked about it. And I liked the apology. We now, of course, still have new secrets because now Lena has the secret of having worked with Lex. And mm-hmm. of course, Kara still has her identity secret. There's still one secret on both sides. They've just chopped one secret off of the stack. <laughs> that was at least nice to see. On the other hand, though, while it is true that the Haranel was useful for a lot of things, James was only shot because of the Haranel in the first place. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> Speaking of James for a minute... Uh, his sister is convinced he's undergoing PTSD, but as you say, uh, David, there's reason to suspect that, uh, James is undergoing, uh, transformation to having some kind of superpower of his own. I just can't understand why they're not asking the question. Like, they're not asking the question because they want to put off the surprise for another episode or two, but it's just, (sighs) why? Well, uh, Kelly, his sister, isn't thinking about superpowers. She doesn't know yes, about the yes. experiments. And James was just in denial about having anything going on at all for a while. So I think maybe next episode he'll start to wonder if this sensitivity to noise, you know, might be related to some kind of power or something. Maybe. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I personally was not a fan of the Guardian storyline, really. So then giving him actual powers, I think, would make that part of his story at least a little more interesting for me because he decides to take a step back from doing the Guardian thing and deciding to change the world through Catco. But what's going to happen if he does have powers? I think it'll be a total flip for him again and then he'll want to use his abilities for good in a way that Supergirl does especially now that you know Supergirl has her own things going on which we are going to get to for sure (laughs) well one can hope that when his powers manifest and I just can't believe they won't they won't just be punching hard right this wasn't really a good episode for not punching hard people Brainy does one good thing because he figures out the connection between Lex and Otis, and therefore Lex and Ben, and Nia's off sleeping, which is apparently her job, and yet James might actually have powers, but his powers might not be in the running around punching people 
space. So maybe that'll cover that, where there will be powers that he can use with his job. Yeah, definitely. I hope it's not just super strength or something like that. It's like, we have enough heroes who have that. We don't need even more. Well, I think it would be interesting if he just had super hearing. That could help him uh, as a journalist. <laughs> um, you know, some something something a little subtler than punching people would be nice. Uh, of course, as far as subtle powers go, for this episode, they just uh, had Nia stuck in, in the Fortress of Solitude, apparently trying to dream up a solution, as they put it, or, you know, dream up answers. Um and we didn't get to see her at all this episode, but that's fine. We had plenty of other stuff going on. Hang a lantern on why the character is not there and move on. Right. That's a perfectly fair thing to do. I'm not, not faulting them on it. I still hope Nia gets to do some fun things. And at least it's a relatively reasonable explanation because, mm -hmm. yes, you have to sleep to dream. So, you know, she could, she could go sleep all she wants and try and help that way. And really, the trying to track down information about Lex by going after Eve also made sense. A lot of the things in this episode made a fair amount of sense. It does hold together fairly well. Yes. One bit that I think I would question is they get attacked by the failed quasi-metallo, or a-metallo, who of course jumps out at just the right time for no <laughs> apparent reason through a wall. It doesn't really matter. But they do blow him up with an explosion inside of a contained room, and it doesn't even move them. It was a little overly easy that they could trivially make this explosion that could take out the Metallo, and they're a few feet away and no one else is even touched. But oh well. And shouldn't that explosion have sprayed kryptonite all over the room? Uh, maybe the kryptonite was mostly contained in the parts. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very short fight. I don't think they needed it. I think really that fight was unnecessary. It gave us an opportunity of seeing Lena, Supergirl, and Alex working together in action. I think that's why the fight existed. Exactly. But I don't think it was necessary. Yeah. In the search for Eve, we also have her showing up and then figuring out where Eve is because her image inducer fails for a moment while she's on the background on national television, which seemed a little convenient for moving the plot forward. Especially since no one else seemed to notice or question it. <laughs> right. That should be the news item on every other news channel, not Catco, because they don't generally cover the news. But everyone else should have been discussing, <laughs> why is this person who is maybe now known for working with Lex? We don't know. But why was this person wearing an image inducer? Bizarre. I don't really understand why Eve had Red going through the tunnel with her at all. I mean, I know why Eve was in the tunnel, because she needed to get into the White House somehow. But Supergirl just flew in from outside anyway. So what was that for? But Red didn't, I don't think. I mean, Red so, did. <laughs> Red didn't. No, no, I don't think she did. I think she actually came up to the floor. Oh, did she? I thought she flew in from the ceiling. Okay. It was really unclear, I'll grant you. <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> on second viewing, it looked to me like what we were seeing were her heat vision cutting through the floor and she went up. Came back down. <laughs> and then came back down. And then the tunneling was to get even as well. That was my interpretation. But I agree, it, that scene didn't quite hold together. It was not very clear where Red was at any particular moment. Mm -hmm. It was very hectic, especially with everyone 
trying to take cover and people outside being shown. It was not a very clear-cut picture of what was going on. So just to back up a scene, the real Supergirl was flying around looking for Eve before this scene happened and saw a van with a an x-ray scatterer so or something x-ray shield anyway something that made it obvious to supergirl that this van was trying to block supergirl's vision and so she you know goes to the van confronts uh eve and reaches in to get eve and that triggers a trap that wraps supergirl up in sort some sort of armor with a hud display um i liked the cleverness of the trap but I really don't understand why Lex wouldn't just send something lethal at her instead. Or, you know, why why was why was it a suit with a HUD display? Just to torture her a little more by letting her see what was going on? So the suit would have been one of Lex's suits, and they are either powered by or certainly have a bunch of kryptonite on them. So oh. putting her in one probably would expose her to the kryptonite. So it basically makes her weak. And really, the only thing you have against Supergirl is kryptonite. And maybe a Lex suit was the best bet for that. I also quite like the trap. The Scatterfield stuff we saw last season with Rain and with the other... Oh, right. ...as it were. So that was sort of a return of that technology. And I thought it was a nice, clever trap. They didn't want to really hurt her even. They just wanted to contain her. Yeah. I thought the use of a Lex suit, though, a bit strange. It worked. I guess Lex didn't want to physically hurt her because he'd rather mentally torture her because that's what the deal is with making her uh, public enemy number one. Well, the kicker is they can't have her show up. Otherwise, the ruse is broken. Right. So containing her is the 100% priority. Hurting her is secondary. Mm-hmm. I was curious as to why they didn't just flat out capture her and keep her in captivity for a while and while Red is out there causing all this trouble and giving Supergirl a bad name because that seems like something that would be right up Lex's alley. Maybe they can't. Maybe that was their best bet was, okay, we can't capture her. We don't have weapons that can take her down. We can delay her for a bit. And maybe that's just the best Lex could do with the timeline he had available. Yeah, maybe he suspects from his experiences with Superman that, you know, capturing just doesn't work out long term. <laughs> True. Well, I mean, had someone had put someone in the suit and attacked, she could have flown up as soon as she saw something happen at the White House. Mm-hmm. It worked relatively well for me, I thought. But I, I feel like, you know, isn't this just going to be the plot just going to be exposed the next time Red shows up? Do they need to do this again? Hmm. That's true. They've already done their best to discredit her. Maybe just sinking back into the background is the best thing. The best plan for Lex. It's going to be very hard for Supergirl to get the general public back on her side now. And I think because people will believe what they see, I mean, they won't sometimes too. You know, they'll believe things that can't even be proven. But in this instance, they saw what they saw. And it's going to take a lot of convincing to make them believe that, oh no, there's a cloned Supergirl out there. And to his credit uh, for plotting, Lex 
didn't just have pretend that Supergirl, Supergirl turned evil out of the blue. He set it up with the whole uh, repeal of the Alien Amnesty Act, which Supergirl had already marched against the repeal. Um, so he, he gave the public a pretty believable uh, uh, hook to hang on to for that. And realistically, the only path for solving this problem is going to be exposing Red and having both of them in the same room at the same time. And until that happens, it's going to be harder for Supergirl. But on the other hand, it's interesting to see that even Haley doesn't buy it. Yeah. But it does seem a bit ridiculous because everyone knows Lex Luthor just escaped. And, of course, something like this would happen right after Lex Luthor escapes. I would think if anyone knew that Lex Luthor was out, you might suspect that this is a Lex Luthor plot. Uh, does the American... I guess the American public does know about image inducers pretty widely, right? Because oh, definitely. Because the, the aliens that had been using them were exposed and everything. So, well... It's an interesting okay. time. <laughs> right. <laughs> One other thing about the whole White House scene that I really enjoyed was um, uh, the part that Ben Lockwood played in it before and during with the, um, they had had the earlier scene with Ben in taking his son George to the uh, congresswoman's, uh, the senator's uh, office to to uh, let him see People tell him, <laughs> then thought he, he was going to be told what a great job he's doing. But in, instead, the uh, senator said, uh, I'm actually going to vote against repeal. And he's like, but that means the vote will fail. <laughs> and then later, he seems as surprised as anybody else when she votes for repeal after all. And he asks her about it. And she says, just keep that woman away from me and looks at the person we find out is Eve behind an image inducer who obviously threatened the senator into changing her vote. And then later James talks to Ben and says, you know, this, this is, this is all Lex Luthor's doing. And Ben says he doesn't know anything about that, but looks really uncomfortable. Like, I'm not sure if, if he didn't know about it, before but is now suspecting or if he did know about it and is just really uncomfortable at the thought of working with that mass murderer genius. I don't know if I really buy that Ben would be that bothered with working with Lex Luthor. I mean, they're crazed in such an almost similar way. <laughs> it's just one's a professor and the other one's a mad scientist. I don't know. it. That bit, I'm not sure how they're going to play that out if Ben really is going to be that bothered by it. I believe the line the senator gave was, just take the win, and then looked over towards what we believe to be Eve in disguise. Hmm. Oh, I may have misheard it. Yeah, I don't think she said anything specific about that, but the implication is clearly the same. We got to see the previous scene of her saying no, because they want to make it really clear, oh no, she's being threatened, because that's the only reason she would change her mind like this. I think they're giving us these scenes just to make it very clear to us that she changed her mind. I think Ben is obviously surprised by that. I think he would be surprised to find out when he does find out that he's being manipulated by Lex Luthor. 
Ben says, I have nothing to do with Lex Luthor. And James says, sure about that? <laughs> I think it will explode a bit, but I don't know. I just, I'm not sure if Ben and Lex are that far off the same path. Anyway, I really liked how all these threads were moving together in the White House room, uh, you know, before Red came and attacked everybody. It just felt like there was a lot going on, uh, woven together reasonably skillfully. Um, so, so I enjoyed that. So, um, let's see, other things we need to talk about. Lena and Lillian. Lillian is gloating over Lena, and then Lena says, hey, you know what, Lex is actually planning to kill you. She doesn't explain why. Um, uh, is it to keep, make sure Lillian keeps Lex's secrets permanently? Is it just because Lex doesn't really like Lillian? Do y'all have any idea why Lex was planning that? I think he maybe just wants to tie up any loose ends that he feels could be used against him. I don't think Lena or Lillian have any clue exactly what the reason is Lex wants to kill someone. They just know he likes killing people and also true. <laughs> is pretty willing to do it. Obviously, they both know Lex well enough to know that when Lex puts with his own handwriting your name in red on a piece of paper where you are, that means he's going to kill you. Maybe that is enough weight just there, whether or not they see the cause. And I suppose we're supposed to believe it because it works. For whatever reason it is, Lex is scary. The real question is, what in the world does Lillian tell Lena? I guess there could be some secret base somewhere that, or, you know, some financial money trail thing uh, that she could put Lena on the scent of. Um, I'm sure we'll find out. Wouldn't be the first time either with a secret base kind of deal <laughs> going on. Could happen again. I'm not quite sure where all the metals are being built also, so there's some question there. Right. Well, we know where one was. <laughs> well, yes. But there were more, so I expect yeah. to see more half-functional zombie metallos coming up, even before we see however they end up dealing with Otis. Yeah, I imagine Eve has to be working out of somewhere new at this point if she was expecting her lab to be found out, basically. Did anyone else have any other thoughts going back a little bit about Bitsy? I thought Bitsy was an interesting character in that, one... She is an implication that Eve actually has feelings. Two, that she sort of tries to pull the wool over their head and fails. But I also like the fact that, is this the first female with superpowers we've ever seen in the show that does not look like a cover model? Hmm. Yes, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about it going, hey, she has powers. <laughs> <laughs> right, she's... Uh... She has uh, a great deal of strength, at least. Um, I don't remember if... I don't think we saw any other powers, but... Heat resistance, at least. Yeah, mm -hmm. heat resistance, for sure. This is the problem with being able to make superheroes. A large number of people might suddenly have powers. So we may be following a trail of people with powers going on. Historically, of course, all the powers were from people from Fort Ross or other aliens. Now humans could be showing up with exciting powers. Right. Um, I don't think we'll get to see this because the season isn't much longer, but it would be interesting to see if the Agents of Liberty were as afraid of the enhanced humans as they are of the aliens. It's an interesting question. Will they consider them still human anymore? 
Or will they just be anything with powers is untrustworthy? Well, until you can become superpowered by buying a drink at 7-Eleven. <laughs> Five-hour energy. <laughs> <laughs> with extra power. <laughs> Do we have an actual episode count for this season? Do either of you know? I know in the app I use to track things, it only shows the next episode and that's it. So I'm like, okay, well, are we doing, you know, 20, 21, 23? Because it's varied a little bit with the first three seasons. If I'm not mistaken, it was 20 for the first season, 22 for the second, and 23 for the third or something like that. So I feel like there's still a good chunk left if we have five or six episodes where they can flesh out more of these things that we're still sort of on the fence and wondering about. Currently, Wikipedia shows 22, but who knows who edited that? So uh, I'd have to follow the bibliography. Sources. <laughs> but anyway, there is a reference to there being 22 episodes. Okay. And that would give us another, what, five episodes. Yeah. A lot can happen in five episodes. At the density of some of these episodes, definitely. <laughs> Let's see. One other very minor point. Uh, I enjoyed when uh, Red, as Supergirl, uh, uh, said to everyone left alive in the White House, let them hate as long as they fear. Uh, a nice little callback to Lex's classical literature training of, of Red, um, because that was, uh, quote, attributed to Caligula, um, although probably actually from a play by a Roman that Caligula may have seen or read. But um, I just enjoyed, you know, it felt very in line with Lex's training of Supergirl. Um, <laughs> I just enjoyed it. The strange part about that scene, there's there's a bit of the odd part earlier where Red goes around and kills everyone except anyone who has lines. <laughs> so if you've said a word, you were okay in that room. Otherwise, you died. <laughs> Secret Service guys dropping like flies. Because you killed quite a number by the looks of it. But what I really thought was weird, though, was right after saying that, she smiled. And I think she was smiling at Ben... I don't know, but that was a strange smile. Hmm, I didn't yeah. examine it that closely. I thought she was just gloating or something. Maybe um, it was a gloating smile? I don't know. I mean, I don't see why Lex would have told her about Ben unless he told her, don't kill that guy. <laughs> they might have. The way she was attacking, though, I feel like it would not have been guaranteed. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, everyone standing died, and... Ben was down, the senator who changed her vote was down, and James pulled Ben's son out of the room, or towards the door and down, and everyone okay. else was dead. That's some skilled aim right there. Hard to tell. Red's killed a lot of people, <laughs> and mostly by accident, as far as we can tell. This is now her killing people intentionally, which is a change from the previous episode. Yeah. Right. Well, she's been enraged by what she thought was the senseless yet wicked evil uh, killing of her little friend in the cabin. So I guess all, you know, the gloves are off. I quite liked in this scene that the president's address 
where he says, many of you trusted, because he never trusted her. (laughs) Very specific. (laughs) You people trusted this person. Because even if other people might imagine that this is a ploy, the president never trusted Supergirl. Quick question for the two of you. Do we have any indication that Red might turn on Lex? Because I don't remember if it was this episode because so much happened, but she learns about Alex thinking that this entire time, the Alex that Kara refers to is Lex himself. But then you get that moment where she kind of learns about Alex and it's like she's questioning what Lex told her because of that moment. I think that eventually, you know, by the finale, that she will realize that Lex has been a bad guy manipulating her all along. I I, I don't see how the finale could be emotionally satisfying <laughs> if that does not come true, come come out to her. I think they gave us the hint that Red was morally not far off of Supergirl. And they gave us this window where she met Alex and she met Lena and she began to push away from Lex a bit and question Lex. But that's when Lex and Eve pretended to kill the boy that she had protected and befriended. And that is now entirely driving her. But the reality is, Otis saved the boy. And I think that's going to have to be the thing that pulls Red out of this, Mm -hmm. is when she finds out that the boy is alive. And I think that might have to happen before she starts to reconsider her position regarding working with Lex. Yeah, that makes sense. And I doubt we'll have two Supergirls next season, so I presume that either Red will nobly sacrifice herself to stop Lex somehow, or, you know, once she realized how she was used, she'll, I don't know, fly off to other planets and... and find some mission off Earth for redemption. Maybe she can go hang out at Argo. (laughs) (laughs) Seems like that path of mutual destruction could be likely to, though, once she finds out the truth. I had one really cute question about Red, which is we see Supergirl give Alex, was it Alex? The watch for signaling her. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, The fun thing I noticed when watching this the second time, of course, is every time that's used, it could be Red who shows up. And I don't think they've done that yet, but I'll be shocked if they don't, because Red is just as capable of coming to that signal, and Lex knows the signal, or at least certainly knows of the signal, so he could communicate her to do it. Is it just a sonic burst or something? Yeah, it's something that only Supergirl and Mm -hmm. Superman can hear. Well, that's generally how it's presented, that it is just noise. So I would assume Red could hear it and act on it as well. And that could have even happened in this episode, like at the last scene. But we don't know yet if they're doing it. Because we've seen Red do a surprisingly good impression of Kara, and probably can do a good impression of Supergirl too. I'm sure that's going to happen, but I'm also questioning whether it's already happened. Yeah, I could see that being something they handle off screen because it would make sense. And I don't think you necessarily need to spoon feed that to the audience. It, it would it could make for a nice little scene if uh, 
Red shows up and Alex tells her, you know, about some someone ne that needs saving or something about how evil Lex is or something like that. Something that might start Red thinking again instead of just reacting emotionally to and being controlled by Lex. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We'll see if that one comes to fruition or not. Yeah, this, this was a fun episode, a really good one, I thought. Um, and... Uh, brings up more interesting questions of what's going to happen next. This was surprisingly a good Lena and James episode. Yes. <laughs> every second episode is a good episode for them, and every other episode is a bad episode for them. It's a <laughs> bit strange. Okay. Well, if any of our listeners would like to continue the conversation with us about this, uh, we would love to hear from you on Twitter at SGSupercast or in the incomparable members slack uh group on the tv channel um i would like to thank our listeners i would like to thank our audio editor deanna thanks and i'd like to thank both of you for another fun conversation fun to be here thanks for having me on again always fun getting to discuss these episodes yes okay well that's it until next time thanks everybody bye 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 <laughs>